Welcome to the School for Mystics podcast with Misha Seidel and Marina Galan. In this podcast, Marina and I will share with you unique and contrarian perspective of how our lives really work. Hello, Marina. Hello, Misha. How are you today? I... You know, before we started, I was really in a very high spirit. But then you told me the news and I I feel for you. And I can say that I'm still in, in high spirits, but I'm still okay. Good. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I think it's a good start or a good kickoff for our, you know, topic today. What is a good coaching? Who is a good coach? And I think when I feel you, it is one of the must-have qualities for a good coach. Otherwise, how a nurse, I can understand what my client is going through. Of course. What would you call that? Empathy? I have interesting relationship with this word. With the word empathy? Yeah. How is your relationship with it? Empathy is, you know, is understanding or feeling of another person like understanding what the other human being is going through right it's the idea of sharing the feeling but what i say for example let's say i'm a surgeon and if i am a surgeon do i need to feel your pain to help you No, you don't need to feel my pain, but you need to understand my pain. Exactly. Also, it will never be that I actually can feel your pain. I agree. I'm not in your your body, I'm not in your mind to feel it, but I can understand what you're going through. Yeah. Now, empathy is sharing the feeling and not sometimes, not always understanding the feeling. Is that your understanding of empathy? Yes. The feeling, not necessarily understanding the feeling. Wow, that's interesting. I think that uh, pathos in in maybe uh, it's Greek or Latin. Pathos is a feeling and uh, meaning that uh, taking a part of that or sharing a part of it. So I don't have to share your feeling to be able to help you as a coach, for example. Right. Well... I kind of understand what you're saying, but maybe maybe have a slightly different point of view. Mm-hmm. When we go to the nature of experience, the content of experience may be different, but the nature of experience can be shared. So there is no human experience that is not common to every single human being. Like we, you cannot go through life without experiencing every single experience 
of human life, if you want to see it that way. So I may not understand the precise kind of loss that you have had, but I understand loss. And I may not necessarily understand your precise personal experience of joy or being in love, but I know what joy is and I know the nature of being in love. And so in a way, we can all not only identify, but share the nature of the experience, right? What if our life experiences are so different that I never, let's say, I never experienced loss in my life? That's impossible. How come? A little, a little, a little boy experiences loss when his lollipop falls to the ground and he cannot eat it anymore. So you are referring to the nature of life experience in general. Yeah. So the, however we call the experience. So I, I may have lost my father-in-law today. And you may never have lost your father-in-law, but you have gone through loss. You have lost in your life. And so as long as there is a deep, a deep exploration of the nature of the experience, there can be not only the shared experience, but also the understanding of it. And so in a way, what I am trying to point to is a coach's work, part of a coach's work is a deep, deep knowledge and understanding of the human experience, of every aspect of the human experience. And that requires, by force, a constant revision of your life to see the, all the variety, all the plethora of human experience and how it shows up. But that allows you to understand, not only feel, the experience that your client is going through. Yeah. I can't agree with you more. That's the one where we actually cannot disagree. There you go. You see? We thought we were disagreeing, but we're not. Which is yeah. always the case, one way or another. <laughs> I, I think that the, the coach, without deep understanding of, of human nature, of the nature of human experience can't be effective, cannot be effective yeah. in, 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 in her coaching practice. It's just impossible. And that's one of the messages I'm giving to my audience. It's not enough to learn the tools. It's not enough to be a great communicator. It's not enough to help people rephrase or reframe their thoughts and ideas. You need to have very, very deep understanding of human experience yeah. and what is the source of it, what is the nature, what is the mechanics of it. So can we talk a bit about what is human experience and what that consists of? You are an expert on what we call three principles, right? So what is the nature of human experience? Why you are making this loud statement that everyone 
actually understands the human experience, even though we can we have different contexts and different specifics. Yeah, well, it's interesting to understand that nature that the nature of human experience can be looked at or explored as if it were a series of concentric circles, right? So in the in the most outer circles, you have the content of experience, right? Which is, for example, the loss of, of a polypop, of a lollipop, yeah. and the loss of a friend, the loss of your hair, the loss of your health, the loss of your partner, the loss. Every every chapter has endless possibilities mm-hmm. in terms of content. Yes. Yeah. But if we take a step inward, we start realizing the dynamic of the experience. And the dynamic of the experience points to how the dynamic is taking place via thought. Yes? So circumstance is happening within consciousness, but at the same time there is a there is a thought frame through which I am experiencing the experiencing the circumstance. Right? So realizing that it is not the circumstance alone, it cannot be, but that there is a thought frame that it is going through and that the collision of those two things in consciousness is what is bringing up human experience is another level at which we can look at. So you have the content of experience, then you have the classification of experience, then you have the dynamics of experience. But if you keep going inwards, you end up looking at the mechanics of the experience. And if you keep going inwards, you see the principles of the experience. And if you come, you keep going inwards, you end up with the purity of the experience. So to sum up what you just said, did I get it right that you have the circumstance that might be a loss of the lollipop or anything else. And the circumstance itself is always neutral. It's neither bad nor good. Always neutral. It's always neutral. Now, what makes it positive or negative is a thought that we have describing the circumstance. Yeah. So in a way, you have circumstance, thought, experience. But they are all happening within consciousness. Yes. And once we have the thought about the circumstance, we start experiencing the circumstance because the thought will drive emotion. Yes, circumstance. So the circumstance cannot draw emotion. Yes. You see, it is thought that draws the emotion. Because if, if I have no thinking whatsoever about the circumstance, I cannot experience it. Mm-hmm. I must be thinking about anything so that the, the experience can take place. And thought is what gives it its particular flavor to me. And once you have the emotion, probably you have enough fuel for reaction. Oh, you have more than enough fuel for reaction. But there is also the possibility of response, which is a very different thing, right? So there is a choice that you're making in the moment 
whether you're going to react, how you generally react, or whether you choose to respond. While the response is a choice, reaction is what sometimes happens with us by default. Yeah. Due to our conditioning. Yeah, absolutely. But what what seems interesting to me nowadays is that even that choice between reaction and response will be given by our conditioning of today. Yes. You see? So if I am not aware that there is a choice because it is not part of my conditioning, I cannot make that choice. But because of part of that conditioning, I now know that there is that choice. I can make it. So it's, a, it's an endless game of going through the eye of the needle and through the eye of the needle again and again, basically. <laughs> and I love that you're pointing to the idea that having a choice is also a life experience. Absolutely. You see? So part of, part of understanding uh, the dynamics and, and the mechanics of, of human experience has to do with realizing that our experience, even though it is coming to life via thought and consciousness, it seems to be coming from circumstance. But it, 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 because it cannot, because it is only coming from thought and consciousness, it is actually only ever giving me information about my understanding, about my conditioning, about my frame of thought, my frame of thinking. And so every single experience that arises in us is pointing us back to the um, limitations that we have set up in terms of frame of thought in our life. So it is always reflecting back to us, not only our understanding, but the very limits of our understanding. Okay, what about principle or quality number two or characteristic number two? What do you mean by characteristic number two? Meaning what a good coach is oh. supposed to have <laughs> to be, to do. Of the coach. Apart from, apart from profound understanding of, of human nature and experience. Well, I think th this first one is kind of linked to, to what would be the next one for me. Which is the possibility to deeply acknowledge the experience of the other. And I do say acknowledge. I use my words very carefully, Misha. I do not say validate mm -hmm. the experience of the other. I am talking about acknowledging, like... Yeah, understand. You just need to understand. Yeah. So not only understand human experience, but understand the process that the person is going through. And allow that person to see and to feel and to understand that he's being listened to, he's being understood. Yes. So that connection, mm -hmm. explicit connection, not implicit, for me is what gives you the right to coach.
you have to earn your right to coach. And if you are not able to understand deeply human experience and the experience that the person in front of you is having, you cannot earn, you will not earn your right to coach. So true. Without connection, you're not a coach, you're just an imitator. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. So it's a, it's a recognition, an explicit recognition of that connection. It is not a creation of connection, Misha. And I want to be very, very explicit about this. Yes. We do not create connection. It's, it's already there. It's already there. We just allow it to happen and explicitly recognize it. I also love how you are specific with words when you say acknowledge, because we don't have to believe in you know, our clients' thoughts or experiences. We don't have to think it's true. We just need to acknowledge and understand that the person is going through this experience. And we know why the person is going through this experience. Exactly. Just like I, as an adult, can acknowledge the experience of loss when a child loses its, the lollipop. From my experience, from my perspective, it doesn't look like the end of the world. But because I understand human experience and I am in connection with the person in front of me, I can relate to it, I can understand it, and I can connect from it. That's interesting. I once was giving a lesson to, to my coaches uh, in my program, and I told them something that was deeply disturbing for them. And I told them that there is no difference between a client who came to you and who wants, let's say, to fix his business and a client who came to you who is battling with cancer. And I said, there is no difference because all you're dealing with are just thoughts and emotions. All you're dealing with are experiences. Now, you need to acknowledge, but there is not that one is more important than the other. No, I agree. But you see, that's exactly the, the concentrical circles that I am talking about. So the content is endless, manifold. Yes. But the essence of it is just understanding how we are creating our experience in the moment. Absolutely. Yeah. Number three, Marina, uh, number three for me is whether the coach is able to see through and wider comparing to the client. Right. Okay. In my words, that would be a higher state of consciousness in the moment. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Right. Because if, if the problem looks real to you, there is no way you can help them. It implies by definition that you are in the same level of consciousness and there is no yeah. way out of it. Yeah, you, 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 like as Einstein said, you cannot solve the problem being on the same level with a problem. Exactly. Being on the same state that created the problem in the first place. Exactly. So if a lollipop falling to the floor looks like the end of the world to me, there is no way I can help a child out of, out of yeah. a catastrophe. Yeah. The, the idea I love sharing with people is that every coach has to be a product of her or his own coaching. Yeah. <laughs> Self-coaching, a tough one. Yes. Yeah. 
<laughs> Many people underappreciate or they just don't see what a good coach has to go through herself or himself to become a coach. When we hear this word self-coaching, we think it's, it's like, oh, nothing. It's like, yeah, solving your problems, <laughs> working with your own mind. Many beyond the coaching industry who experience coaching only as clients, they don't see that many coaches had actually to break the bones that were healed improperly before in their lives. So now they will be able to heal them properly. They have to go to the darkest moments of their lives, of their thinking. They have to face the demons in order to develop this higher level of consciousness so they can help people like them. Yeah. And and, and we do so constantly, Misha. Yeah. I mean, I don't know a single great coach that does not expose him or, her, or herself to to life fully and knowing that it will break your heart, but you, you are committed to transformation and growth and expansion. And because you understand the mechanics of it, you know that it is a lengthy ongoing process of breaking your heart open again and again and again through experience exposing yourself to life as a contact sport, experiencing everything with absolute freedom, just so you can learn from it, just so you can see through. And, and as your heart keeps growing after breaking and breaking and breaking, not only do you have the ability to expose yourself more, but also to guide others in their path of meeting life up front. Yeah, so good. Again, can't agree more. Self-coaching is full contact sport. Yes, it's full contact sport and it's 24-7. Yes. I don't know if you, but I mean, even when you are coaching someone, you are coaching yourself at the same time. So true. It becomes second nature. Like every, every single thing that is happening in your life becomes yeah. a teaching point for yourself. Yeah. It's like MMA nonstop <laughs> with yourself. <laughs> Yeah, it's like it's like running the director's comments 24-7. Yeah. Oh, cool. oh, look at that. Oh, what my mind is doing. Yeah. Okay, so number four. Number four for me is what I see so often. I see great coaches with high consciousness, with deep understanding of human nature and human experience who are not able to be practical, to translate whatever they know and whatever they can do with a client into practical down-to-earth application. Okay. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, like bringing it down, anchoring it down to yeah. the matter at hand. Yeah. Not living it flying up there like a balloon that, oh, yes, this is really cool to understand. But how do I bring this understanding 
and allow it to manifest in my life. Yeah. Like once I had this um, supervision session when one of the coaches was working with the client and the client came with a problem that now she's going through really nasty divorce. And it was really nasty because right in the process of divorce, she actually learned that her you know, ex-husband or current husband was married to another woman at the same time. And they also have, like, he, he has a family, he has children, and they were, like, officially married. And Sweet. she has a fat, like, that's, like, I was, like, in a soap opera, you know? Like, I couldn't imagine that shit like that yeah. is happening there, right? And this coach, she has done everything right. So initially she has went with her, like upstream to the nature of understanding, to the nature of her thinking and why she thinks this way and what are the alternatives. But she was never able to help her in the moment, really what she, like this woman was supposed to do certain things and steps. And they never got to the point when they were exact in behavioral part like what should be done now like what and she was confused in the that, end that that is always what answers the question why is this relevant what is what i'm what i am seeing in you why why is this understanding relevant to my circumstance right now yeah yeah absolutely but now it's not easy it's not easy it's not always easy to do that no it's not i absolutely agree and and sometimes <sighs> Sometimes it's it's a lack of leadership in the coaching or a lack of clarity in the coaching. But oftentimes it is also a lack of openness in the client to actually follow. And it's a, re it's a, it's a really interesting dance, the allowance to anchor it back. You know, and, and I don't, some clients have such unconscious resistance to anchoring because if they do it will imply transformation it will imply change and so it's about to happen it's about to happen it's about to happen but they are unconsciously refusing that because they are scared of what of what the transformation will be i would explain it as a lack of humanity as well huh. or lack of really deep understanding of human experience, even though you think you understand the human experience, you don't yet there to understand it, to comprehend it fully. I like this saying that once you meditated for four hours and, you know, ascended to nirvana, <laughs> don't forget to wash the dishes. There you go. And when I say lack of humanity is that, yeah, the coach is ascending with the client to eagle view and, and, and understanding of what is happening from above. But hey, don't forget to wash the dishes. Yeah. Just go back. We are here. This is the space of, you know, of time and physicality. So please go back from your Buddha consciousness 
and help solve the real problem. Do you think, Misha, and, and this is an honest question, do you think that sometimes that may have originated, that lack, that lack of ability may originate in actually a lack of intake? So that you have clarity about what they want to, what they need to see, but not why they need to see it. And that could be solved in the intake, like really going deep into understanding the circumstance, how they are living it, how they are thinking about it, what they are wanting. And this is the one step, what they are wanting to get out of the coaching. So you're saying it is because they don't see their map fully. They don't see the, the territory completely. Yeah. yeah. The coach is not, it's not, it's not seeing the territory completely. So for example, if a person comes to me and uh, is having a really difficult marriage and da, 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 and I show them that they don't need to be in that marriage to be okay. But I never found out that they were actually looking for a way to stay in the marriage, not to leave it. Hmm. Do you see what I mean? It's as simple yeah. as that. So yeah. really understanding not only the circumstance, but what their wishes are. Like, well, why are you coming here? What is it that you want? And, and the ability to respect that because, oh my God, it's so difficult when you clearly see that they should leave right? and, and they don't want to. And so the ability to coach against your preference Mm. takes a lot of detachment and a lot of presence. But in my experience, a lot of the times when that anchoring is not being made is because there is a lack of understanding about what the client actually wants. Is this making sense? Yeah. It's like when you think that she should leave this marriage, it means that your self-coaching is not done yet. Exactly. It's like, I have no idea what the client wants. This is what I think yeah. she should want, or I assume she should want. Yeah. <laughs> it might be as well, lack of curiosity. There you go. Lack of intake. So tell me more, tell me more, tell yeah, me more, tell exactly. me more. Like I've seen masterpieces of coaching in which there was intake for 55 minutes and, and interaction for three. That was it. Yeah. You know, but by the end of the 55 minutes, it was so clear that it was, it just needed one push. That was it. Of course, I've, yeah. seen, I've seen intakes of 55 minutes that don't lead anywhere. <laughs> Do not turn this into a rule, please. And I've seen coaches without any intake, only with the output, that were more interested in what they have to say than in their client. Oh, yeah. So many of them, right? And at the same time, I've seen master coaches who were able to reduce the intake to a few minutes yeah, and then solve the problem in like within 10 minutes and it's done. I mean, there, there are, there are really no rules, but yeah, but oh my God, keep going with intake for as long as you need to until you have sure. clarity. Yes. And on your First, own, just keep going. First, gain the clarity for yourself as a coach and then work with the client. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. What else? Well, to me, there is a huge art around 
the different ways in which you can you can point to what you need you see they need to see mm-hmm. like understanding your client's language so that you can use it in a way that will be easy for them to look at what you're trying to point to you see so, because i may have a thousand metaphors but if they're not relevant to my client they're going to be of no use whatsoever so there is there is this sense in which i learn from my client how i need to speak to them what words i need to use what metaphors i need to use what feeling i have to bring to the conversation so that they will want to look you see but that, but that is an art <laughs> it's a bit paradoxical because you develop the art through time but it has to be fresh in the moment because the person in front of you this this situation needs to be addressed now and the language that it is needed can only come from now so in a way it's well that that's it it's an art yeah so true it's so true art, right and and they say that you need 10,000 hours of something right to create mastery and repetition ad infinitum and just so that you can be absolutely present in the moment and respond to what is needed so you can be empty yeah. right i call it preparing the stage for their truth as a coach we are preparing the stage and every time the stage has to be prepared anew for every new client and for every session with every client so true Yeah, and for every session as well. And you're so right when you're saying, "Hey, even if it worked with another client, but if you use the same wording, the same way, it might not work for this client. So you need to prepare the stage specifically for them." Yeah, and you can only do that by being absolutely present with them and absolutely open to them. So in in reality, it's about you having the leadership in the coaching process but deeply allowing the client to guide you through that leadership yeah it's a quite paradoxical thing isn't it yeah it is yeah yeah and in that in that ability to word express what we want to say there is such a exquisite witnessing of creation yeah okay ready for the last one i was listening let me share this for a second yeah please 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 i was listening to um someone speak this morning and they were reinforcing the clarity around the fact that we are only ever expressing we are only ever an expression of life mm-hmm. and how identity limits the possibilities of that expression you see and so as identity dissolves that expression becomes so real so fresh in the moment that it necessarily responds to what the moment is asking for. 
wow, I've never heard about that before. So you're saying it is your ego that is limiting your expression. And once the ego is gone, your expression will have no limit. There you go. You're free to express abundance, totality, love, life. You see? Huh. And so the, the beginning of the ex the beginning of the path is wholeness, is complete, is abundance. And so you the path becomes an expression of that abundance. Whereas every other kind of path has lack at its origin. Lack that needs to be fulfilled somehow. And in that, there can be no expression. Yeah, there is, love there it. Can be no expression of truth, because there is lack. Right, love it. So when love we, it. When we understand ourselves as only output, this is what this guy was saying. We are pure output in life of life. It's quite, it was quite mind blowing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's also very paradoxical, and coaching is full of paradoxes. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we have a problem here, Marina. We should at least to have something to disagree on. And I'll try with the last one. I'll do my best. This I'll try so to provoke you. This is so interesting. You always do this. I yeah. always try to find something to disagree on. It's incredible. Come on. I'm, I'm so curious about like where else I could push you. So, um, okay. I strongly, strongly believe that coaching is not, is not an act of service, but an act of equanimity. Define equanimity for me. I want to understand what you mean by that. So before I do that, <laughs> tell me how you understood. <laughs> how I understand equanimity? Yeah. Equanimity for me is a tabula rasa, a process of, of going back to basics, of balancing it out, yeah. of reaching a starting point. Mm -hmm. A process of absolute harmony. Absolute harmony. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So here we are on the same page. Now... So far? No, this Yes, so far. Okay. So far. Keep going. Many people consume coaches with waiters and waitresses. What do you mean? They think, and, and, and many coaches think the same way, that since it is an act of service, I will be servicing you the way you want to be serviced. So they will come and wait, like they, they will be waiting the table, they will come and wait for whatever bullshit you have <laughs> to show up. Okay, if you need to, um, for, 50, for 50 minutes to tell me your content, as someone who waits, I will be waiting there and getting the content out of you. Or if you want to use me for something I'm not was born like I, I I'm not good at you know still as a coach I will be servicing you to help you 
For instance, I've heard many clients say, hey, don't ask me questions, just tell me what to do. <laughs> or they would say, hey, you're my coach, I just need to talk to someone. Yes, Misha, but we are discussing the elements of extraordinary coaching, not of now. coaching. <laughs> So extraordinary, like coaches extraordinary. Yeah. They don't have any capacity and any tolerance for bullshit. And for, they don't have any patience for confusion. Unless... They see that that's what needed in the moment. Yes. Ah, okay. Unless. There you go. Yes. But, <laughs> but generally, and many coaches, they're actually, I would say their style is quite authoritarian. Yeah. Their, their, their figure by default or through their presence has a lot of authority. Yeah. There is obvious and visible power in their style. And I would say it's not their style, it's just their state of being. That's the way who they are. So that's what I call a coaching is not an act of service, it's an act of equanimity. Okay. Well, what if equanimity is service? Why or why not? What if equanimity is service? Well, since we are very specific with words. <laughs> mm -hmm. There is one belief I have as well about coaching and it's connected to this one. When your client wins, it is because of the client. When your client fails, it is because of the coach. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. Please disagree with me. I disagree fully. <laughs> awesome. Okay, now we have something here. Yeah. Well, you see how in show business they say the whole world is a stage? All of creation is a coach, Misha. Mm -hmm. All of it. To the one who is willing to be coached. Yes. To the one who is willing to see and listen. So ultimate responsibility. Ultimate responsibility has to do with owning your own experience of the process. If you have capacity for that, yes. Yeah. Now, when, as you say, and I'm going to quote you, there, your client wins <laughs> or the coaching process is successful, you can place that, that responsibility on the client. Absolutely. Yeah. Because they were open, because they were willing to be coached, because the exchange was clear, etc. When your client doesn't win, you, 
you can pin it on anything. But nothing will be useful. Not so pinning it on anything won't be useful. And even the failure of the coaching can be turned into a teaching point and make it extraordinary. If they are both willing to see it. So in reality, it's just... I want to say it's a disparity in levels of consciousness. But when there is understanding, it goes way deeper than pinning the responsibility on anyone. Way deeper. May I ask you something? You can ask me almost everything. <laughs> almost everything. <laughs> is there a way for a client to fail? No. Is there a way for a client to win? Yeah, absolutely. And that's the answer to my statement. Well, that can be one answer to your statement. But every fail can turn into a win in a split second. And you will have to do that if you believe that there is a way to fail. Well, do you believe there is a way to fail? No, not really. So that is our disagreement, that you do not believe there is a way to fail, and I do? You said that you don't believe as well. You said that uh, there is no way to fail, it's only, there is only way to win, and I agree. You can't get What it wrong, Misha. Exactly. You can't. You can't. So and true, my you cannot. Worst, my worst coaching sessions and experiences have turned into such huge lessons, both for me and the clients, once we see through them, right? But there, need, there, need, there is a need for a willingness to see beyond it. And I am going to keep insisting on whenever there is a fail, there's just lack of clarity. That's it. So true. And there are so many things we don't understand about even the coach, the coaching process, but about life in general, that we never know which quote-unquote fail is the perfect seed placed in the perfect moment, but it's just not time for it to bloom. I think that the only way the only way to fail is to fail in one's mind when you disagree with reality that's the only way now coaching itself for me is like a game of lottery where it's impossible to lose and you have very high odds of winning oh yeah absolutely if there is willingness and clarity my god yeah And that's why, Marina, I'm saying that with great coaches, when great coaches act, when their clients win, it is on their clients. When their clients lose, it is on their coaches. Since the only way to lose 
is to disagree with reality. And this is <laughs> coach's fault. <laughs> oh, right. I, I, I see your, your game. <laughs> <laughs> I see your game. That's it. I don't, I don't know if it will be clear for everybody, but <laughs> I see your game. My God. There is just never-ending beauty to this. So true. Never-ending beauty to this. It's the f best job in the world, Misha. This is the fucking best job in the world. It is. It really is. You know, I keep... When you were talking about service earlier, all, I, all that kept coming to my mind was the question that was asked to... Maharashi, how are we to treat others? And his answers, there are no others. Right. And so in a way, again, we go back to the paradoxical state in which You understand, like when, <laughs> and in every tradition, there is some version of this as well, right? You are on the, on the verge of illumination, right? And you have a chance to walk through the door or go back and help, quote unquote, service the others. But at There is, a, there is a moment of clarity in which you realize that if it's all one, if there are no others, you cannot save yourself without saving everybody else. But you cannot save everybody else without saving yourself first, right? And there, you can find this in Buddhism, in Christianism, in Judaism. You can find some version of it. Only one is saved. But oh my God, you can look at that sentence from so many different ways. Right? And so, yes, it is the coaches fail, but there are no others. Yeah. Right? And it is the clients win, but there are no others. So, if every experience is, listen to this, in service of our enlightenment, <laughs> Even the worst apparent failure is in service of our enlightenment, if we are able to harvest. Yeah. In our book, I love the passage you wrote, and it goes something along the line, along the lines that when you see through yourself into the soul of others. You will see through their soul yourself. Can you tell us more about that passage and explain it better? Well, this might be a little bit long, longer conversation than you are expecting, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> But um, I remember when I was, I must have been, I don't know, 15 years old, I read this uh, playwright by Jean-Paul Sartre, called um, Behind Closed Doors, A mm -hmm. And the thesis behind, behind the, the playwright is, hell is the other. 
right? Because the other reflects us back to ourselves. And um, I became a little bit obsessed with this playwright and I studied it. And, you know, throughout my life, I have gone back a few times. And nowadays I see, I see the thesis behind it, you know, hell is the other as, as such a simple misunderstanding if you believe that experience is coming from the other, right? But like we were saying at the beginning, all the concentric circles, when you go from the periphery inwards and you start realizing that in the end, there is just experience and there is no others. Whatever the others seem to you is being created by you. Now, they are creating their own story too. So if you can see through your story, you will find them, but you will find them in their stories. And then you will see through their stories back to you within your story that you are creating about them. Is this making sense? For me, absolute. But I think many people are confused now. <laughs> okay. But they will have to deal with that. And make it simple. Oh, let's see. When I see the other, I am, I am looking at the story I am making about the other. Yes, you're looking at your thoughts about the other person. Yes. If I can go beyond my thoughts and meet the other, I will find the other and their thinking. Yes, you will find other person's thoughts about you, themselves, and the world. Exactly. But if I go through their story and find them... I will see through that and find myself again. Yes. Now it makes perfect sense. Okay. Cool. Wow. That was good. Thank you, Marina. <sighs> Thank you, Misha. <laughs> see you next time. <laughs> see you next time. Thank you for listening to the School for Mystics podcast. 